John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. fill these words with grace and truth, that you would help us not to just be hearers of the word only, but those those who do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Do you ever play Bible trivia? It's a fun little exercise sometimes. I have a Bible trivia question for you. Who was the first person to ever Receive and share the news that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, the very first person to do it after the resurrection was Mary Magdalene. But the very first person in the New Testament is the woman that Jeremy just read about, and we don't even know her name. She's just known as that woman at the well. She was the first person. Pastor Jeremy did a great job preaching about her a couple of weeks ago. He inspired me to think even deeper, and there's so much to the story. I thought today, after the resurrection, I wanted to share a message on how to share your faith, and the best evangelist I can think of to do that is the woman at the well. So we're going to look at her life as the one who shares the gospel Jeremy shared a couple of weeks ago that she had left her water pot behind, which could be a symbol of leaving things behind she no longer needed because she had living water. And she went out and she had to go and find her friends, relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors. And by now you know that that acronym is FRAN. And in two weeks we're having FRAN Sunday, We hope you invite your friends to come. But the woman at the well didn't wait on Fran Sunday. She was frantic to go and share the news that she had met the Messiah. So I want to take you there today. Let's go to Jacob's well. Now, Jesus is traveling. He has to make a decision. He can go around Samaria which would be the usual Jewish observance due to the animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. We might as well just say it, state it bluntly. There was, there was racism between them. And normally a Jewish person would never, ever go through Samaritan. But Jesus, Jesus broke down barriers and he went there and he was weary from traveling, and he stops at a historic landmark that everybody knew. We have a historic landmark marking this church just outside. I bet nobody knows it's even there, but it's there. Everybody knew where Jacob's well was. It's Jacob's well. It's the well that he dug, but God gave him. Can I stop there and just remind all of you that you don't have any wells in your life that God didn't give you. You dug them, but even the strength 
the ability to dig the Lord gave you. But the Lord gave you everything you have. Hallelujah and praise his name. Later, Jacob, having received the well from the Lord, gave it to his favored son, Joseph. And everybody knew throughout generation after generation that spot. So Jesus sent the disciples into town to get food. A couple things you need to know. First, Samaritans would not have a conversation with a Jewish person. Second, a woman would not have a conversation with a man in public in those days. So imagine the shock when Jesus engaged her in conversation. It's as shocking as when someone speaks to you on an elevator. You ever get on an elevator, nobody wants to say anything on an elevator, you know? It's like, you're just looking around, you're afraid to say anything. Every now and then, just because I'm mischievous, I will say something, it's kind of funny. But people, so it's like that. And so, Jesus asked for a drink of water. And her reply is, How, what? How is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? Jesus told her, I have living water. And in the midst of the conversation, he made it clear, before you can have that living water, we need to settle something. And during this conversation, Jesus confronted her with her own sin. There are people today that want to talk about Jesus as being accepting to the point that you never even need to repent of your sin. I got good news today. Jesus is accepting of every sinner but we must repent of sin or else we cannot take the gift of living water that's called cheap grace having Jesus without repentance that's cheap grace that's not what Jesus taught so Jesus dips into the murky water of this lady's life he begins with this Go call your husband. <laughs> I have no husband, she says. Jesus said, you have well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. Imagine the shock of realizing that there's a person there that knows everything about you. And here's Jesus saying, we need to deal with this. I can't give you cheap grace. You're going to have to deal with this. Imagine the sense of shame that she had just knowing that he knew. I mean, she knew, he knew. And of course, he knew she knew. God knows. There's a, there's a time in another part of the gospel 
where Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I did not come to call the righteous. You ever think about that verse? The prophet Isaiah said, there is none righteous, no, not one. Well, that pretty much means then that Jesus is saying, I came to call everybody because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm called to come everybody to repentance. And here he is standing at this well, and he's calling her to repentance. Let's be clear about that. One great preacher once said, if you refuse to accept Jesus as your Savior, then you will find him to be your judge. After they have a short conversation about worship, which is a sermon all to itself, she says, because she wants to change the subject, I know that Messiah is coming. When the Messiah comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said, I, whom speaking to you, that's who I am. I am the Messiah. That's the first time that we know of in the Gospels where Jesus has revealed himself as the Messiah. What, a, what an unusual time and place and person. At this moment, John's Gospel says the disciples were returning from the city with food and the Gospel says in a literal translation precisely at this moment they arrived I wonder if they arrived right when Jesus was saying I am the Messiah or just after there's going to be a conversation about this later they heard Jesus possibly for the first time reveal himself She's the first one. And she is a woman that's well known in the village. But do y'all really know her? Let's do a quick biographical sketch. First, she's a Samaritan woman. She's half Jew, half Gentile. Over 700 years before this moment, the Jewish people were defeated by the Assyrians or the ten tribes of Israel. 722 B.C. And some of them began to intermarry with these Gentiles. These are the Samaritans. She's descended from a long line of people. They're both Jewish, but also not. And they reject Jerusalem as the center of worship. Instead, they worship on a mountain called Mount Gerizim in their land, which means she was not only a Samaritan, but she's religious. Jesus said she was worshiping what she didn't know. So let me put it in terms of what Wesley would say. She had a form of religion without the power thereof. John Wesley was once asked what he feared most about the future of the Methodist Church. That's what he said, that they would exist with only the form of religion without the power thereof. Jesus told her she was wrong. I realize a lot of people have a picture of Jesus where he's agreeable about everything, but he bluntly told her she was wrong. 
We also know that she's an adulterer. She's had five husbands. Can you imagine her reputation in her small town? I'm from a small town. Trust me, I can tell you what people say in a small town and the hurtfulness. She's also not given a name. We don't know what her name is. Betty Lou, Bobby Sue, we have no idea what her name is. But she is described, and we can only imagine what people called her, and I'm sure they called her names. You know, I know. You know human nature. She was an outcast in her own town. How do you know she was an outcast? Well, for one thing, she's at Jacob's well in the middle of the day when all the other ladies would have went first thing in the morning when the water was cool. But nobody wants to be seen with her. It is very unwise for her to go to the well alone. But there she is, an outcast. So here's what we know. The Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, mixed race, religious but misled, unadulterous, outcast. And now we're about to find out she's going to be the first evangelist about Jesus the Messiah. I'm looking forward to meet this lady in heaven one day. What a fascinating lady and a great inspiration. The Gospel of John does not reveal what she says with words when she comes to faith. But you know she comes to faith because of her actions. Isn't that how you know anyway? By their fruit you shall know them. Here's what you know. The woman evidenced genuine characteristics of real conversion. She first realized her sinfulness. Second, confessed her guilt. Third, recognized Jesus as Messiah. And then this is critical. She went back to her friends and she shared the gospel as best as she knew it. As best as she knew it, she went to people. What's the gospel look like to her that day? Well, the gospel according to the woman at the well, come and see a man. Could he be the Messiah? Come and see a man. That's a pretty good opening line. I have a friend of mine who's with the Lord now, Reverend Gordon Dinsmore. He had an opening line. Do y'all have an opening line that you can use to share the gospel? Reverend Dinsmore had one. He'd go out to eat, waiter, when they, when they were going to bring the, the bill. He would say, hey, there's two kinds of people I have found in this life. Would you like to know about those two kinds of people? Now keep in mind, he's not yet tipped the waiter and the waiter says well sure I'd like to know two kinds of people and Reverend Dinsmore would say I found that there's two kinds of people in this world those who want to go to heaven and those that know they're going which one are you and with that 15 seconds he could have a conversation about something that could change the person's life for eternity do you have an opening line where you can say something to somebody to turn a conversation the woman at the well had a very natural way of sharing 
She didn't read a book about evangelism. She didn't know anything about it. She simply went and asked a question, and the gospel to this woman at the well is just come and see, could he be the Messiah? That's it. By the way, it would have been improper for her to tell a man something, so she had to ask it in the form of a question, like on Jeopardy. Could he be the Messiah? So here's her evangelism methodology, very natural, threefold, one, intentional hospitality. Come and see. Come and see. Let me tell you about Jesus. Come and see. It's kind of a version of show and tell. Come and see. And then a probing question, which is aimed to discover the truth. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the Messiah? Let me tell you how you know if somebody has the Holy Spirit at work in their life to draw them to Jesus. They're asking questions. I've noticed this all my life. When people are asking questions, it's a sign that the Holy Spirit is drawing them. So why don't you prime the pump? My grandfather used to have a real well pump. How many people have ever had to deal with that? Well, you know, sometimes you have to prime that pump, right? You want to prime the pump on evangelism? Ask some questions. What do you know about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? Is he Lord? Is he a lunatic? What do you know about him? Prime the pump. Ask questions. That's what this lady did. Could he be the Messiah? And then, thirdly, she gave a personal witness. A personal witness. It's the most powerful thing you have. He told me all about myself. He gave me living water. What's your personal witness? If somebody were to ask you, why do you have faith in Jesus? What would you tell them? Can I tell you this? If you can't tell somebody why you have faith in Jesus, why would they think it matters? Can I give you my personal testimony in 30 seconds? I didn't grow up in the church. I hardly ever went. I had a big hole in my heart as a teenager. Tried to fill it with achievement, academic success, athletic success. I found I was still empty, a big hole. A friend of mine from down the street invited me to church camp. A church camp for the first time in my life, the very first time, I opened the Gospel of John. I began to read it. I couldn't put it down. That night when the preacher asked if somebody would receive Christ and believe, I raised my hand. Under a tree. Changed my life. I've never been the same since. I'm certainly not a perfect follower, but I know this. The Lord's called me to follow Him, and I want to do the very best that I can for Him. That woman had a personal testimony and she wasn't afraid to share it and she was probably the lady in town with the worst reputation and it didn't matter to her because she could say I'm not that person anymore I'm different she was from a small town and she went back to her own people and she changed the town how do we know? Well, because John tells us in verse 39, from that city, many other Samaritans believed in him.
because of the word of the woman that testified. Wow. She might have been the greatest evangelism person that we would ever read about until after the resurrection. Jesus gave her living water. Do you know what living water is? You hear the phrase. Can I give you a biblical principle for interpretation that if we would, if we could just do this one, we would solve a lot of false teaching. Let the word of God interpret itself. Let the word of God interpret the word of God. That means you need to have a whole holistic view of the scripture. And that means you got to know the scripture. A few chapters later, this phrase living waters defined by John as if John anticipated you might want to know what the definition is. Isn't that nice of John? We're at a different setting now. Jesus is at the temple. There are worshipers there. And Jesus suddenly cries out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then John defines it. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What is living water? It is the Holy Spirit in you. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what living water is. It is that kind of relationship with Christ that satisfies you in the innermost being. My friends, you and I need to know how to share our faith. And we make it way too complicated. We think we need to read textbook after textbook or go to seminar after seminar. All you really need to do is look at the woman at the well and she'll tell you three things to do. Number one, have a heart that's invitational. Show people grace and hospitality. She did it by saying, come and see, come and see, come, come and see. Secondly, she asked questions. Could he be the Messiah? What do you think? And thirdly, she had a personal testimony. Nobody can argue with a personal testimony. You know why? Because it's your personal testimony. They can see if it's changed her life. We're called to share our faith. Church, when the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven on the Mount of Olives, and the Bible says he's coming back to that very place, but when he did, he said to his disciples, go make disciples. You could interpret it this way, go make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's God's plan, is for you, the church, to make disciples that make disciples. There is no plan B. I've looked really hard at the whole New Testament. God only has plan A for you to make disciples who make disciples. That's what we're called to do as a church. We're called to be the woman at the well. We're called to be able to do that very thing. And there is no other plan. And churches that grow have members that make disciples that make disciples. 
they're sharing their faith. They're telling people, come and see. Let me tell you, he is the Messiah. In the very last chapter of the Bible, we come across this phrase again. It's a phrase I want to leave with you. Jesus said, let him who is thirsty come. Let him who desires to take the water of life without cost come. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is at work all around us in the lives of people, your friends, your relatives, your acquaintances, and your neighbors. The Holy Spirit's at work in their life, drawing them. But the Lord needs you to be his vessel to serve, to reach out to your friends, to share the gospel with them, to live it out before them and make them thirsty. Somebody once told me you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Have y'all heard that? Y'all know that's not true? I don't know much about horses, but I know this. If you feed them salt, they get thirsty. Y'all are the salt of the earth. If you want people to be salty, then live a life of saltiness. And then let the Holy Spirit lead them to living water. Let's pray. Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.